ready. Welcome to episode 24 of the Go Get Em Agility podcast. My name is Margaret Hughes, and I'm your host, along with my daughter, Emma Hughes. Hello. Hi, Emma. Hello. We are going to discuss today... Common questions. Well, yeah, questions that my students have asked me, actually. Um, So I have a list of beginner agility questions from beginner agility students. These are students that either have not trialed yet or they just started trialing. Um, They're in the the lowest level for um, agility. These are beginning agility student questions and we're gonna answer them. You ready? Yay, yes. Okay, here we go. If your dog or you go off course, is that the end of your run or can you finish the course? You can finish the course. You can finish the course. Nobody will be mad. It's actually more common to finish the course than to walk off. That's true. Yeah. Yes. And that's true regardless I mean, of your venue too. Yeah, you're allowed to walk off. It's your time, it's your money. Um, but you're allowed what is called standard course time, which if you're looking at the results page at your local trial, it will be S C T. So standard course time. And that's based on the yardage of the course or the course class that you're in. So that's generally the, the amount of time that you're given to complete a course. And generally that's roughly right around, mm-hmm. what, 70 seconds, yeah. 80 seconds, something like that. It depends on the course. It depends on the yardage. But yes, if your dog goes off course, um, you will, depending on the venue that you're in, you, you may or may not get a fault. Some venues do not consider off courses um, faults. It depends on if they take another obstacle. So a true off course is when a dog takes an incorrect obstacle from the course that is numbered. Mm-hmm. But your dog could also just wander off of your course and not take any obstacles. That would be considered a refusal. And you are still allowed to finish the course. Any other comments on that? No. Nope. Don't make up your own course, though. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could, but they'd be like, okay, that's kind of weird. <laughs> well, no, if you're not, yeah, unless you're doing, unless you've declared um, FEO or NFC, so not for competition or for exhibition only, you are not allowed to just make up your own course. Yeah. Yeah, actually, then you probably will get whistled because uh, then you're training in the ring, and unless you declare that you're training in the ring, it would be considered mm-hmm. bad bad behavior to do that. Um, and just an FYI, if your dog does go off course, you can still qualify in certain classes. Yeah, like novice. Yeah, novice, you're allowed. Is there a website that tells you about when and where all the trials are? This is, yes, there are multiple websites. The agility organization that you plan on running under will have an events website, an events page on their website. So AKC has their own events page that you can search nationally for all the different uh, class or all the different trials that are coming up in your area or your state. Um, all of them do. So they all have their own events pages. So AKC, NADAC, USDAA, UKI, CPE, Teacup Agility, they all do. So go if you're wanting to see the big picture of how many trials you have in your area, 
or um, in the states around you, then go to the big main organizations of the agility venue you're going to run in. And then there's also local trial secretaries will sometimes carry their own websites to advertise what trials they're uh, chairing or, or um, uh, doing a trial secretary for. Venues also do the same thing. Like I know we generally go to either Fun for Paws or Argus Ranch in Washington State. And I know that they have their own little calendars on their websites that say every single trial that's listed regardless of you know, if it's AKC, NADAC, stuff like that. Yeah, so wherever, yeah, but those are those are agility-specific trial places. This is not an agility-specific podcast. <laughs> no, it is. But let's say that you're doing one at the fairgrounds. It would be more difficult to find where the trial is. Well, yeah, but for Washington yeah. State people. Okay, and then also local clubs usually have them on their website. So for our area, it would be... Rainier Agility Club, Snow King Agility Club, and then you have all of your breed clubs that also will host. But if you all want it all in one website, the big organizations, that's the fastest way to get, or to get an, a big overview of all the trials that are under AKC and all the trials that are under each organization. Then I would go to your trial secretaries and sometimes there's several in one area. Um, I would go to their websites and then I would go to the individual clubs or the actual trial venue. So your local, where, where your trials are held. Can you rev up your dog at the start line or do they have to sit quietly until you give the okay command to start? You can do whatever you would like you as can... long as you're staying at the start line. Yeah, you can ascend. You can rev them up. You can have them sit quietly. You can touch them. My dog used you to bark can, all the time. They used to bark. You you can't play tug with them, can you? I think you can. Like if there's, I mean, if they're like tugging on the leash as you walk in. Well, yeah. You can do that. Okay. But, but you, you can't like bring a toy in and be like, hey, let's go. Right, unless you're doing FEO. Well, yeah. Or that's NFC. A whole other thing. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, you can do whatever you want. They're not required to do a sit stay or down stay. Yeah. Um. Or, yeah, you can rev, you can even drop and go, so you can hold them, and then drop them and run. Yeah, as long as the judge will give you a little thumbs up, and then you'll hear go from a timer. Yeah, and wait for that. your wait for your scribe and your judge yeah. or your audio uh, audio indication that you're allowed to go. What is a good amount of time to practice during a week, every day, once per week? Hmm. I think it depends on how much you practice in your practice sessions to catch my drift and, I, and it depends on the dog yeah i went through a phase of practicing every day and then i kind of fade out fade in um then once a week once every other day you know kind of depends yeah i think that skills building um can be done a little bit every day but full-on training sessions for an hour you know where you're at at a class at a, either a private lesson or a group class i i would do that once maybe twice a week um and but for skill building you don't have to have agility equipment around you you know if you're doing like contacts say you all you need is a mat right and you practice well yeah i mean it depends on how far along in your training you are yeah it really depends it's so dog dependent and so skills dependent 
and age dependent of your dog? I think I would take that question to my instructor and ask him. Yeah. Because it really is dog dependent. What if you are in a trial and your dog makes a start before you are told to go? Do you automatically lose points? Right. When I first read this, I read it as before the handler is ready to go. And then Emma informed me that it's before you're told to go by the judge or the scribe. That or... is my interpretation. Well, okay, so we're gonna I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do this question twofold. What happens if you if your dog goes before the judge tells you to go? And what happens if you go before you're ready to go? Right. Okay. So question answer to the question of going before the judge tells you. Generally you get yelled at well, you won't get yelled at, okay. but they won't be happy. They'll tell you to stop. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 come back. Yeah. We weren't ready. And if you're embarrassed, if this has happened to you, they won't remember by the next trial. So if you do this, don't worry. It's, I mean, it's not the best thing ever, but nobody's going to give you grief over it, you know, yeah. years in the future. Agree. Uh, so you don't lose points, but you're told to restart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then what happens if you, if your dog goes before the handler is ready to go? So before the handler, so you put your dog in a sit stay, you lead out and your dog takes a jump without permission. So without you giving them a release word, again, if they take the correct obstacle, you don't lose any points, but you as a handler may not be ready. I did have one time where I set Jinx up for a start line and I released him and he released sideways and ran down the full length of... Oh, don't you tell the story. This happened to me. No. Yeah, this didn't happen to you. It happened to me. He it did? Looking, he, at, he was looking for that. Oh, maybe it happened to both of us. I... Oh, Jinx is just covering the bases. Okay, so it happened to you. So can I tell the story? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he, uh, then I guess Emma released him. I thought, <laughs> no, I think we both did it. I, I, we need to find the video here. Yeah, it was very embarrassing. I, I about it then. And Jinx released sideways, ran down the entire length of the arena, jumped up onto the wall behind him to say hello to his dad, and then ran straight back to the start jump, which is where, uh, I guess, you or me were waiting, and ran the course clean. <laughs> Yeah. So he got zero points deducted. I'm not sure if they started the timer. They probably did. Sometimes they'll, yeah, sometimes they'll start the timer if the dog leaves the start line, regardless of what direction they go. But generally, they start the timer after they have broken the plane of the jump or the plane of the obstacle. So either taking the obstacle, which will break the plane, or running by the obstacle, which will also break the plane of the obstacle. Mm -hmm. So the plane is an invisible line that extends out on all of your obstacles from the side. Mm -hmm. And if you go past the plane, then your dog has either taken the obstacle or they've run past the obstacle. Uh, so yeah, because he never broke the plane of the first jump, the timer never started and he didn't get any refusals because he wasn't in refusal plane because it was yeah. the first jump. It was kind of odd. Anyway, if your dog errors on an obstacle, doesn't make, doesn't hit the contact or misses a weave during a trial, do you immediately go back to that obstacle for them to try again? What if they miss the last weave, then take off to the next 
jump tunnel, will you still get them back to the weave to retry? Yes. <laughs> well, let's let's break this question well, apart. Kind of depends on the obstacle. Right. So let's... if it's like a dog walk, you don't want to go back to the beginning of the dog walk just because you've already, if it's a contact right that you've missed, you don't need to go back on the dog walk. You've already lost the points. You can't get them back. Right. But if it's the weave pulls, that's considered an incomplete obstacle if they don't finish like the weave pulls. And uh, unless you finish it, all six or all 12, it'll be counted as incomplete and then you'll, you know, NQ or get points off. Correct. Yeah, so the contact obstacles, if you miss the contact, ob uh, miss the contact on a, on a, if they miss the yellow yeah. on a contact obstacle, then that is the fault and you can't make that up. It's kind of like dropping a bar. You can't reset the bar and get points for it. But the weave pulls in, is an exception because they can miss one or two weaves. You can go back to the beginning and finish them. And some organizations, you can even correct where they came out in the middle. Yeah. But you better get your... <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you'll still get all those points. You'll get a refusal generally, but you can complete the obstacle and not get... A failure to perform. It's the same with tunnels. If your dog goes into the wrong end of the tunnel, put them back into the correct end. Otherwise, everybody's going to be sad because it doesn't count as complete. Right. Well, but and that would be an off course then. So if your dog goes into the tunnel incorrectly the first time, that they lost points because they got what's called an off course. Right. But then you still have to turn around and complete the tunnel going the correct direction to continue gaining points for your run yes or not losing or, any <laughs> otherwise or yeah otherwise again if you don't fix it if you don't go back and do the tunnel the correct direction then it would be a failure to perform again or let's say here's another scenario your, your dog goes into the correct end of the tunnel but doesn't come out the correct exit they actually turn around inside the tunnel and come back the entrance you want to fix that put them back in that would be a refusal if they come all the way out. If they don't come all the way out, actually, you're just wasting time. Yeah, spinning around. Yeah. If they roll around in there, they're, they're a lot. Don't let them pee in there. Yeah. That's an NQ. Yeah, pee would be an, NQ, or be an elimination. Yeah, yeah, NQ. But they're allowed to roll around in there as much as they want, as long as they don't come back out the incorrect direction. And you can still, the reason that we would go back and fix it is... Kind of, again, kind of depends on the dog and the team, but you can technically still qualify in some levels if you go back and fix things. Yes. Yeah. But like a knock bar, some things can't be fixed. You just lose those points. Stepping on the uh, broad jump, knocking a yeah. bar, hitting the tire jump, displacing, you know, like opening it up, a, a breakaway tire. That's considered a knock bar. Here's a little tidbit on not finishing the course. Um, if you get whistled, then you have to leave the course. Yes. Depending on the organization. No, that's for everybody. No, you get wait, whistled. You get, you get an E. Um, like if you get an off course in UK, I don't whistle. And you just keep going. Oh, that's true. Or ISC. Because they used to whistle in Europe. And for wrong start, courses? Yeah, and then everybody start clapping, and then you're really embarrassed as you continue to run around. Oh, okay. 
But okay, so things that will make that, that when you should leave. Um, one, touching your dog. Purposefully. Yeah. So like if your dog doesn't do something right, you like grab him by the collar. Right. Or something. Yeah. Um, Purposefully touching your dog. Yes. Elimination. Um, dogs pooping or peeing in or the vomiting. ring. <laughs> in the ring. Yeah. yeah. Or vomiting in the ring that will cause you to have to walk off. Um. If you're you're mean to your dog, like if you hit them or something. Oh yeah, you um, can't. Yeah, you can't be mean to your dog. But don't hit them at any point in their lives ever. So. Or, uh, here's here's one big pet peeve. I know this is a big pet peeve of, of some judges, but it's also one of mine. Is walking the, If if you do decide to walk your dog off, don't hold them up by their collar and walk them off on their hind feet only. Mm, yeah, that's. That really here. that happens a lot to. Um, d- people that are mad at their dogs they're yeah. like hold them up like let's get out of here quickly and they don't let the dogs actually walk um and that's a small dog problem too yeah because people yeah. can't lean they don't like to lean down and walk 25 feet or more 100 feet it always ends up at the other end at the far side of the arena right <laughs> you have to walk 100 feet back yeah. to the start um what else will cause you to get kicked off the course swearing yeah and it's kind of it kind of depends because if you're like if you swear like and you kind of know the judge you know and you're like oh man didn't mean to say that they won't do anything but like if you're like oh you'll they'll come and tell you afterwards though yeah but they're not gonna be like you're never allowed to fish ever again no 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 um yeah yeah swearing will get you if your dog fails to um continue working yeah, they're they're, they're really gracious about that though. They'll let you try and get your dog back, but there does come a point yeah. when standard course time buzzer goes off. Now you have to go and get your dog. Oh, if you run with your tags on your collar, that'll disqualify you. Let's talk a little bit about the difference between the different divisions within agility um, uh, organizations. Oh boy. So. You have regular and preferred in AKC. Oh, jump heights. Well, it it, right? it talks, yeah, it, it affects jump heights because one division allows you to jump four inches lower than the other. Yes. But there's a little bit of a stigma, and I heard it at AKC Nationals, a little bit of a stigma that um, the the preferred class or the, uh, what what is it called in other organizations? Each organization has two different different divisions that a dog could essentially run in. One is what is considered their the regular jump height. The height of the withers. And that is based on how we used to jump 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. Is all dogs were measured into one height category and they were required to run at that height category. Indefinitely. Indefinitely. Yeah. And then what happened is that dogs started to get to an age where they could no longer compete because of the the stringent jump height rules and so the organizations came up with a four inch lower category that the dogs could move into when they got to a certain age and they called it the veterans class and it was four inches lower well that's changed over the years because there are some organizations that still have the veterans class, but most have done away with the veterans class and they've replaced it with a four inch lower division that any dog can go into. So you can put your, your 18 month old dog 
into the preferred class. Here are the different um, classes. So you have AKC is called regular, and then there's four inch lower is called preferred. CPE, it is called regular or enthusiast. And then they have two other or uh, um, one's specialist and veterans. So again, going with dogs six years and older. Then you have USDA is called championship and performance. They also have veterans. I don't know what UKI is called, but UKI. You can do it because we've I, done it. I think it's um, championship is, and I can't remember what the other one is. And then NADAC is called proficient and skilled. And NADAC also has veterans class for seven years and older. So each one of those organizations, the dog runs at their, what, what we'll call their regular height. That is where they measure and where they would jump regularly if we didn't give them a four inch allowance. So years ago, it was started to help our aging dogs continue to, to run. And then it started coming in with dogs coming right out of, of young dog training, going right into the lower jump height. So the preferred class, as opposed to running in their regular class. And there is a host of different reasons why people run four inches lower and why people choose to run at their regular jump height. And it really comes down to a personal decision with you and your dog, and I would get your coach's advice on it. Um, one of the reasons that I encourage some of my students to run at the preferred height is because their dogs just don't have the confidence yet or the, or the physical ability to run at the regular height. And so, I tell them to run their dog four inches lower and the competitiveness of that four inches lower class is and is getting to be just as competitive as the regular class. What was the stigma you heard at nationals about it? He said that it's four dogs that are older. Oh, that's not true. That's not true at all. Because no, we put, I put Millie, both Millie and Dot and Preferred when they were young. I genuinely believe that it saved Millie's bones. She ran it in agility until she was 11 years old. Yeah. I genuinely think that her running at 8, when she should have been running at 12, is what made her run so long. Yeah, and she transferred up to 12 inches for the international stuff yeah, she was fine. with no problem. Yeah, Dottie did too. Dottie was fine. Yeah. Dottie's, Dottie had a little bit of a harder time, but they were okay. And so I have no problem running in the lower jump height class. And I really think it depends on the dog, especially dogs that, so if you have 16 inches is for dogs between, what is that? Between 14 and 18 inches. Well, if you have a dog that measures at 14 and a quarter and you're running against dogs that are at 17 and three quarters, your dog has a heck of a lot more jumping effort than the 17 inch dog. And so I personally, while I, it's fine to compete against the, the dogs that are bigger, is the jumping effort is what I look at. How difficult is it for 
a dog to get over the bar based on their weight, based on their bone structure, based on just who they are as a dog, and you as a handler. Remember that when you're learning agility, your handling probably isn't as optimal as somebody who's on their second and third dog. And if your handling isn't up to snuff, you are actually making the jumping harder on your dog by miscuing, by late cueing, um, by you know, running in on the dog's line when you shouldn't be. And so we create this jumping effort for the dog with these new handlers that w- they would benefit from being at the lower four inch, lower four inches rather than being forced to jump you know, 16 when they can jump 12 inch preferred, you know, when it's just based on what the handler wants, right? There's, so I wouldn't look at what your dog can do on, a, um, you know, in the kitchen. I would look at what you want them to do over 20 obstacles. Mm-hmm. That's a lot different than jumping over the couch once or twice. And that's one of the biggest comments that I get when people first sign up for agility. I always ask them what are their goals or, you know, why do you, why are you interested in doing agility? And one of their first answers, this is almost, this is across the board. I would say 80% answer is they're so athletic and they just love to jump and run on everything. <clears throat> well, doing that over 20 obstacles takes a lot more effort. Just a little bit. Yeah. And then doing it at your handler's direction takes even more this is from a person that has never been at a trial so they wrote having never been to an actual trial i'm trying to build a mental picture of what it would be like should you have a kennel to put your dog in or is it okay to stand on the side with them on leash well that's changed over the years Mm. the very first trial i ever went to all the dogs were tied up on the side of the wall barking their heads off while their handlers walk the course. <laughs> so that's changed. Um, my recommendation is to have a kennel to put them in. I think that they need downtime. They'll to, be tired. They'll yeah. be tired. They need downtime to um, just rest. And you'll, you're going to need time to walk the course without them and chat with your friends. And keeping them entertained all day can be difficult or if it's not difficult, it's just exhausting for the dog. Also, some places are on crushed gravel or on concrete, and that concrete on your dog all day can really do them in as well, physically and mentally. Um, so around here, since COVID has happened, around our area, most people are crating out of their cars. We used to crate inside the venue, and I'm sure that that will eventually come back. But for now, most people have started crating out of their cars, which for the most part is pretty comfortable. But you also then need to deal with any heat or cold, mostly the heat, pr- protect your dogs from the heat um, in the when the sun comes around. So we have, we have shade cloths. We have the silver metallic reflective shade cloths that we put over our cars that really gets uh, prevents the heat from getting to the dogs do you use any mental tricks for remembering where you will do a front cross a rear cross or a blind cross um i don't have any tricks i don't have a routine 
but sometimes if it is a hard course or if I've run multiple courses in the day and it's kind of getting harder to remember which one's which, um, after I'm, I'm done walking, I will then try to go through the course in my head outside of the ring. So if my dog's like going to the bathroom or something, I'll just go through it. Um, I memorize crosses with the course. So like instead of memorizing obstacles, I kind of memorize my path and like to me, doing a cross is part of the course. So it's part of the whole that I've memorized. Hmm. And it could be because I'm, you know, I've been doing it for a very long time and I'm kind of I'm well, young so I can memorize things quicker. No, I don't think it has anything to do yeah, with you being young. Yeah, <laughs> that on I'm putting that on there. I don't think it has anything. <laughs> I would say that you don't have to think about which cross you're doing anymore. And so that becomes part of your course. When you're still thinking about what is the front cross and what is the blind cross and what is the difference with that and the rear cross, then you think about their placement more than them becoming natural side changes. Mm -hmm. Once and, and so number one, keep working on what the differences are. And when you hear the word front cross, how that looks in your brain. I wouldn't say I would that <laughs> I would say that that's a big thing. One thing that I do is I navigate my crosses within the course. And so I know about where I want to put them and I try and put that navigation on obstacles that will be in my visual when I'm running it. So I may be looking back at my dog to make sure they're coming up on the correct line and that means that I need to take navigational points off of obstacles that are behind me yeah. when I'm running forward. Yeah. And I strategically try and look forward when my dog doesn't need me. Yeah. So like when they're inside the tunnel, I'll look to where I'm going and think about where I need to be in relation to the next obstacle. It also depends on your handling style as well, because I have a tendency to do line crosses for a ton of things that might not need a blind cross, but I do it anyway. And so instead of worrying about the cross, generally I'll just be like, okay, this is a, I'm, I'm going to do a blind. I know this already. So now I just worry about quite comfortable doing. And so that's just what I tend to do. Yeah. Can't be caught dead doing a rear cross because I'm bad. Then. Don't put that on there. I also talk to myself as I'm approaching a side change. Don't forget to do this. Or, you know, don't forget to, you know, look for the dog off the line. Don't forget to look for the dog after the blind cross. Uh, try and take off here in order to accomplish a front or a blind. Or if I find that I'm getting stuck with a rear, then telling myself to slow down so that I don't run out of running room, so I don't run out of real estate to create an effective rear cross because mm -hmm. you need the dog to get in front of you on a rear and if you get too far in front of them then you're sat waiting for them in my opinion is if you're sat waiting for a rear then chances are you could have done a front <laughs> or a you blind. Know, that's exactly what i was just gonna say it also kind of depends um, on the course most of the time i would say our plans stick right but sometimes you do have to do a little bit of a shuffle 
and if you're kind of caught unawares and you haven't gotten the cross that you wanted to do, you have to be able to go to another cross to get to the other side. Well, you're usually left then with a rear. Yeah, sometimes. I've been caught with a front. Like, if Dot's going to another obstacle, I'll be like, hey, let's oh, look at true. each other. Let's connect a little bit. True. Um, so then you have to be prepared for that. So I wouldn't say if you don't stick to your plan, you know, don't panic if you don't stick to your plan. It's all good. You're the only one who knows your plan. So you're the only one who can get mad at yourself if you mess it up. Well, and that's why when, when um, people are practicing and you mess up a cross, unless you're specifically looking to perfect that cross, try and f keep going. Try and yeah. fix, um, try and fix the, the lines or whatever that you need to help your dog with because that will happen to you a lot in a trial. And so rather than get bogged down with, oh, I didn't get it, start over, which sometimes we want that, right? Like definitely sometimes we want that. But other times, like, okay, we'll go ahead and keep trying to fix it and see if it works because that will happen to you in a trial. You will yeah. get to a point where you wanted to do cross A and you're ending up doing cross B. Yeah. And crosses will come naturally. If you're not super good at front crosses now, you'll get it eventually. It's just something that comes with time, which is probably quite frustrating to hear, but it, it will probably come quicker than you imagine. Um, you can practice, obviously. I practice. I actually had um, a coach, not a coach, but I actually had an instructor that put away, like, a few hours of front cross practice specifically because I just couldn't get it in my head. I couldn't understand how to do a front cross, and I couldn't understand when to do it. In my defense, I was six, but, you know. Yeah, and you, still... yeah you wouldn't listen to me, so. Well, yeah, I was in my, uh, yeah, rambunctious. Well, all you ever did then was rears. I had tiny legs. You did I a very yeah. You did a ton of rears back then. Yeah. Then I grew up. Yeah, and we needed you to do fronts. That's why I'm like, damn, you need to learn how to do fronts. And wait, what questions should I ask you? Do you remember your very first run? Um, kind of. I remember you tying my shoe. I remember that. <laughs> and oh. I remember you tied. Oh, no, I was yeah. I, I remember not... you tied my left foot. Um, because you took my ankle and you like pulled it towards yourself and you're like give me that and you fell um yeah you tied my left foot um but i remember that's that, all i remember but that was a run with tia yeah i remember millie's first run it was a nadac trial i believe it could have been usda but i think it was nadac um and i don't remember all of the run but i do remember that it was a standard run and she missed the dog walk and that made me so sad because she was excellent at the dog walk and in my little you know five six year old brain I was like, please, Millie, we know that we're good at this. Please go up the dog walk. And she didn't have an issue with it since. So I don't know what it was. It could have been me not cueing it. She's like, I'll bet I know. I'll bet she thought it was the teeter. Yeah, it could have been. Millie always had an interesting teeter. Yeah, she struggled with the teeter a little bit. Poor Millie. Early days she did. But, yeah, I remember she wouldn't take the dog walk, and I was sad about that. Do you remember your first jumpers run? No. Because you qualified in that. Okay. Or you might have come like two seconds over. Yeah, I don't remember jumpers. I've seen the videos of it, but I don't remember the like. I don't. I you don't physically remember, remember it. I remember. Do you remember your first trial? I remember my very first trial. Yeah. yeah. It was in Santa Barbara. Ooh, pretty. With my uh, Shih Tzu Ludo, and I remember walking into the arena and seeing a curved tunnel. Oh yeah. For the very first time. Oh no. And I remember thinking. 
I didn't know that they curved the tunnels in agility. <laughs> oh, no. So we didn't qualify. Oh. He, he would not go in. I remember running the back side of it, tapping the top of it, trying to get him to follow me. Sure. And he's like, no, lady, I'm not doing he's that. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I went home and I bent all of our tunnels. Oh, good. <laughs> and he learned how to do curved good. tunnels. But yeah, that was my first. I, I was going to a trial for my obedience Pomeranian mm -hmm. and they happened to have agility on site. And so I just joined into that agility oh. trial. Wait, so Ludo had never done agility prior. No, he had done a, like maybe two sessions okay, of classes. So he knew what it was, what he wasn't like. He was it. not efficient. And oh, I, I had, yeah, I really had been, it'd be interesting to see what the date on that was yeah. and when he actually started agility training and when right. I actually started trialing, because I think it was months. Because he obviously learned. Look at these pictures behind you. I mean, he's flying around. Oh, yeah. Pictures. No, he How learned. How old were you for your first trial? How old was I for my you first trial? I think I was 26 or 20, okay, so you 27. Okay. I started agility when I was 25 or 26. Yeah, I was 20, 26. So then my trial had to have been 26 or 27. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you remember your national runs? I keep, I keep going on. We don't have to put this in the podcast. Now. Yes. Okay. Most of them. Yeah, I don't remember all my EOJ runs, but I remember my first one, and I remember Hitty Poodles. I remember the hybrid very clearly. Yeah. I remember I remember for nationals, I remember practicing some of the moves that we saw at nationals oh. the week prior. Oh. And I'm like, yes, yeah. I just practiced I for this test. Yeah. <laughs> and then there are other things that I, I'm like, oh, I didn't didn't quite practice for yeah. that. No, we did really well at national, so I was pleased with that. Yeah, you did, boy. What's um, your most embarrassing agility moment? Well, besides falling. Oh, I fell, and that was mine. I was falling. Falling can count. Most embarrassing moment. Falling's one of them. I think the hardest trial, the hardest, most embarrassing was running for the very first time in front of one of my new students. Mm. And I just, I just started training agility. Yeah. I've been running agility for a long time, but I just started training other people to do sure. agility. And then I really wanted to do well. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> which, was, which was really nice. <laughs> that was like, yeah, I can do it. I kind of know. Yeah. <laughs> kinda, Your money's well spent. <laughs> I kind of know what I'm doing. Anyway, no, but there have been plenty of runs where I haven't done well. But that very first one, I remember being like, oh, yeah. man. And my heart was just beating out of my yeah. chest. I have two. But only one is, like, on course. One was, uh, I think it was a, it's like a premiere course or something. Anyway, I fell, jarred my knee, and I couldn't run again. And so I had to like hobble off the course and Doc was so mad. She's that, like, what are you doing? Where are you going? And then everybody's like, are you okay? And then they're like, you're young. You shouldn't hurt. Your knee shouldn't hurt. And I was like on the verge of tears. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and then my second one was actually outside the trial. Oh, it wasn't Jinx pooping in the ring? No, actually that wasn't. I actually can't remember that one too well. I think I blocked it out from memory. Um, but the second I think one. You, I think you had diarrhea. <laughs> was at EOJ and I was at the start line and I was so nervous I genuinely thought I was gonna throw up and my left arm started to go numb and I don't know why it was probably just like my brain being weird but I turned to my coach and I said 
I think I'm having a heart attack. And she turns, she's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, you're next. And she's like, I think I'm having a heart attack. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think she thought I was joking. And so she was like, okay. And then she was that was that, that in was Slovakia? That, no, that was in Switzerland. Oh my gosh. Oh. She was like, oh, okay. I don't think she knew how to respond. How do you respond right. to that? Right. She's like, okay, uh, uh, Yeah, EMT. <laughs> That's great. We've come all this way. <laughs> just 30 more off. seconds, Emma. 30 more seconds. Fine. Just keep running. We'll call the ambulance afterwards. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, it was so strange. If you have a beginner agility question, or any question. Yeah. We'll answer advanced questions. I hope so. What if you're more advanced than us, though? Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, feel free to send us a question. If you have a question, we'll try and answer it on our, a podcast in the future. You can go to either my Go Get Em Agility Facebook page and connect with me through... I think you can connect with me through the private messaging. Yeah. Uh, but maybe also it would be easier to do my email. So here's my email. Ready? Don't drive and write this down. Go back when you're yeah. not driving. Uh, magspaws, M-A-G-S-P-A-W-S, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Magspaws at gmail.com. Cute email. You might want to label it podcast beginner agility question. Yeah, otherwise, spam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, are we done? I think so. Happy training. Happy training. Woof, woof. Go. We have to get a good recording. Just say woof woof. Okay, woof woof.